identity. You know, in the military, our, our identity, who we are, our rank, our mission, our purpose, is all packaged pretty tightly. We know where we stand in the ranks, so others know our skills, our accomplishments from the ribbons and medals on our chest. And the newest recruit, boot airman, uh, knows exactly what level of respect to, dis to display just simply by looking at our uniform. So identity in the military is not a secret. And then we get out, and all of that changes. But today's guest is going to share her story, how she went from being in the 1% club of enlisted to tra transitioning and becoming what felt to be the most invisible veteran in the country and her journey to finding her new identity in the civilian sector. Her experience isn't unique and her method of discovering her new identity is actually one that you can duplicate. So welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler. This is the podcast where we interview America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories of overcoming their proven lessons in leadership and their journey to finding mission and purpose. So I remember when I first saw Top Gun, I knew exactly who I wanted to be. I, I didn't want to be the ensign or even the lieutenant. I wanted to work my way up to being the captain, the 06, maybe even the admiral. See, this is this for me was the epitome of achievement and respect. Hard earned, much required, and everyone knew you weren't a slacker. Now, granted, I never made it to that rank, but our guest today, Miss Jen Anthony, she made it. Not on the officer side, but on the enlisted side. Jen served 20 years in the U.S. Air Force, achieving the highest in the enlisted rank of E-9, Chief Master Sergeant. Only 1% of the enlisted force reached the rank of chief, and she did so at a time when the total population of female service members was less than 19%. She has worked all over the world to include places like Iraq, Afghanistan, Egypt, and Turkey. And while in service, she specialized in offensive and defensive cyberspace operations, coupled with a strong background in leadership and professional development, top of class. And then she got out. Jen, welcome to the show. Mike, thank you so much for the invitation. And it, it certainly is an honor and a pleasure to join you today. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm so excited about this conversation, Jen, because I know when we were talking offline, just the the conversation that we had was so rich. I took so many notes, and and I want to be sure that we get those out for today's audience, and for those that are going to be listening to the podcast. And and I, you know, it's so interesting when I look at your background. You've accomplished so much in what. I think it's such little time. And when we look at this window of 20 years, it goes by in a flash. And I, I didn't even mention that you're like a cybersecurity ninja, which I don't even know what that means, but that's going to be amazing. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, if you're a ninja at anything, that's going to be amazing. Uh, you do leadership and you're executive coach. You, you participated in the, uh, the Bush Institute, uh, stand to their VLP scholar. I mean, you are an example of a leader and one who achieves uh, you don't settle. Uh, I mean, we even talked about what time you get up for the gym, which is like 4.30, which is, I think is an insane hour. So, but I mean, truly, what is the, what is the driver behind your desire to be top of class? So you just said, you know, like you totally hit the way tops, Mike. You just hit all of the high points uh, of my life. And I will tell you, those are certainly there. I am just filled to the brim with gratitude about the opportunities. 
Um, but here's a couple of things I'll tell you. Um, you know, the LinkedIn profile, the social media feed, it doesn't show the valleys that come before you reach those peaks. Mm, and that's so, good. Uh, and so, you know, what I would say is that success doesn't come without without some failure. And there and there certainly was a ton of that. There were some losses. There were lots of places where I misstepped and I made a ton of mistakes. And that's just not on the highlight reel. Um, the second thing I would tell you, um, Mike, is that there there are a lot of times in my life where I just got lucky. I happened to be in the right place at the right time with someone who was willing to give me a chance or an opportunity or open a door for me, and that is not lost on me for a moment. Well, so, Jen, I, I want to dive into that a little bit because this is interesting. You said two things um, that I love and appreciate and one that I really want to unpack before we move on. You said success doesn't come without failure. And I think, you know, as, as I look at the landscape in the civilian sector now, I think what we, and to your point and what we promote on LinkedIn is everybody's successes, right? And so I think it's easy for us to understand that, boy, if I'm not achieving or if I get into this comparison mode, I must not be doing something right. But can success be achieved without failure in your opinion? No, no, I, I absolutely not. I, I think but if we look at our military, what, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I want you to I keep going. Part of it is, uh, you know, and um, Mike, you know, it's semantic, right? I think part of it is the way that you um, look at things and the way that you frame things. Um, I, I got promoted, you know, to, to the top, but I can talk to you about the times where someone had to come sit down with me and tell me, you know, you weren't selected for promotion this time and how devastating that was and how hard I'd worked that particular time and how, you know, I spent a six months studying and I'd done all the things that I thought I needed to do to be competitive. Um, and I just, when compared to my peers for that particular year, I didn't meet the mark and I wasn't selected for promotion. Now, what I will tell you is that, you know, at that point in time, I would have told you that was a failure. Um I missed it, right? I wasn't selected. But right. when I look back at that time, what I would say, Mike, is that I wasn't prepared to be promoted. I, I didn't have the skills. I, I didn't have some of the leadership opportunities that would come the following year that would make me more prepared to take on the next rank. So in that vein, you know, it's about, it's about how you look at it. Initially, mm. I felt like I failed. But when I look back on it, um, yeah, I wasn't selected for promotion that specific year, but but it worked out in the end just exactly the way it was supposed to. So what you're really talking about then is mindset, because we can put it in these boxes, right? I think we compartmentalize so great that, you know, this was a success, this was a failure. But what I hear you saying is over time that failure really was an opportunity for you to grow into the success you have eventually achieved anyway. So a lot of it, I think, has to do with how we look at the circumstances we're in, right? Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, yeah. That's totally it. Totally yeah. It. Yeah. No, that's, I, I, thank you for clarifying that. And then the other thing that I, I'm going to push back a little bit on this, uh, and I don't want to go deep on this because I, it, your story is so compelling, and I, I want to be sure we get that out too. But you, you said luck, right place at the right time. And I, I hear that. <laughs> 
but I don't know that I buy it. And let me let me explain myself to you because I believe that in life we position ourselves to be in certain circumstances, situations, places, etc. I don't know that that's by luck. I think that's uh, I'm not going to say it's by design, uh, although one could argue that. But it's not like you just showed up. It, you know what I'm saying? So walk me yeah. through the luck, right place at right time, because you had to work to get there. I mean, your whole career yeah, is about sure. working to get there, right? Yeah. So is that luck? Sure. No, well, so no, right? Um, I have never been afraid. And, and, Mike, I think this has roots in how I was raised. I mean, I grew up in a small town in Mississippi. Um, I spent lots of time, you know, doing manual labor outside, um, high school athlete, so so no stranger, just kind of clawing my way. I was always the, you know, the first one to practice, the last one to leave the field. That's kind of in my DNA. My grandma was a small little Creole um, lady out of <laughs> New Orleans, Louisiana, and, you know, her thing was, like, if your name's attached to it, you need to do it with all your heart and soul. And she raised me that way. And I will tell you, you know, I still operate that way today. And so um, I worked hard. I always have worked hard. But but when I when I joined the military, and it was on a complete whim. I wish I had, I wish I had some very patriotic story to tell you that I raised my right hand because I wanted to serve. The truth of the matter is, I joined the military. Um, on an absolute whim to get out of small town Mississippi. Mm. And I didn't know a thing about being a patriot. I didn't know a thing about serving my country at, at the decision point where I signed my name on the dotted line. What I knew is that that was my first airplane ride out of, you know, out of Biloxi, Mississippi. And I was going off to explore the world. And what I, and what I, what I found is, you know, I landed at my first duty assignment with a great supervisor and a great team of people who really cared about me. And they taught me to love service. They taught mm. me to love, um, the camaraderie, love learning my job, love the brothers and the sisters that served uh, alongside of me. And so what ended up being, you know, hey, I'm just going to do four years and see where this goes. You turned into 20, like you said, in an instant. But, Mike, throughout that career, and, and I will tell you, it, it happens to me now, right? There's su- there's always been someone in the journey who saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And so it was that person saying to me, hey, have you ever thought about being an instructor? Or, hey, have you ever thought about being a first sergeant? Or, hey, what do you think about maybe taking a look at this opportunity or deploying yeah. to this location? And and so that's when I talk about a little bit of luck, um, that that has happened. And I, ha- I have had those people all along my journey as I served. And I'll tell you, Mike, those people are still in my life today um, as a civilian talking to me about opportunities and um you know experiences that i that that otherwise i don't know if i would apply for or look into or ask questions about well and i think that has a lot to do with your personality right it's that whole law of attraction and not to get you know principled or or you know what some people want to say hey we're talking about positive mental attitude stuff here but 
I think there is this this principle in life, it's almost like gravity, where law of attraction, that if you were negative Nelly, nobody would be approaching you with these opportunities, right? Because they wouldn't want to they wouldn't want you to be a part of their their world, their environment, their sphere. Um and I just share that to say, you know, with our men and women that are getting out, I think sometimes it's so easy, as you know, where we can fall into this, man, nothing is going my way. And what I really want our listeners to hone in on is, number one, mindset, which you talked about, right? Success doesn't come without failure, but look at failure as an opportunity to grow and develop into the leader you need to be. And luck really is having that right attitude, that being approachable, that being um, open and willing and growth mindset because then we filter through that, and that attracts other people into our life. W- would you agree with that? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, like you, Mike, I don't want to get on. You know, I, I don't want to get on on that train, but I'll, I'll co-sign it. Your vibe attracts your tribe. You know, mm, that's good. What, what you what you put out into the universe, I mean, that comes back to you. And and listen, I think people misperceive that as they, they have to always have a positive attitude and they have to be happy-go-lucky. Like, life is hard. This journey is hard, and bad things happen, right? But part yeah. of that is building the resiliency. I call it grit, right, to get to stand back up and dust yourself off and, and say, you know, that fall down, that stumble, that failure, that non-selection – that's not going to define me. I'm going to keep on after this. I'm going to keep keep moving forward, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And, yeah, I believe that good things happen when we, when we have a willingness to do that. Mm, that's so good. So I love that your vibe attracts your tribe. That, uh, that's good. I might, uh, I might have to borrow that and give you credit. Uh, so good. Uh, so I want to talk about your military service a little bit because you did – you did accomplish and achieve something that many don't. Like 99% of us that were in the enlisted ranks don't ever achieve. You achieved it. Um, and some will say you achieved it in a man's world. Uh, although, you know, in the military today, a lot, that is changing. The influence of women in the military is changing, which is a positive change. You grew up through those ranks. How did that experience prepare you or maybe not prepare you for your transition into the civilian sector? Mike, it's been, it has been a stark difference. Is that right? And, you know, it has, and so I'll share with you as, as transparently as I know how, kind of where my mind has been. So as I was growing up in the military, you know, when you come in, becoming part of the service um, defeminizes women. And I, and I, I say that in a very, like, it's just flat line, right? Right. When we look at the cultural norms of our country, military women, you know, we have to wear new nail polish and, you know, depending on what service you're in, maybe you can't wear earrings or they're small pearl earrings and your hair color has to be natural and, um, and you, you need to fit in with the guys, right? Yep. And so I, I, I believe as I worked my way up, the ranks in the military, I wanted to be seen as an equal. I didn't want to be seen as a woman. I wanted to be seen as an E5, as an E6, as an E7, an E8, an E9 mm. that was equal to my peers. Yep. And that was a fight. 
that's the fight that I was fighting. As I progressed higher in the military, um, I, I really, really struggled with, especially, Mike, there were times when I served as a first sergeant and, and I was assigned to units that were predominantly males. And at this time, I'm an E7 and E8, and what I'm seeing is that young women in those communities where the predominance is male, I'm seeing that those young women are attracted to me from a mentoring ship, uh, you know, a mentorship, a right. leadership. They're coming to me for advice. They're coming to for advice and guidance. They're coming to me to share their struggles. And I think at that point in my career, I was really cautious about that. I wanted to treat everyone the same. I wanted to make sure everyone in the unit got the same amount of my time and my coaching and my helping. Um, I think now that I've transitioned out of the military, I'm beginning to understand um, that my role in the military in their lives was really important. And I think back to being a staff sergeant. There was an E-9. She was a woman. She was an E-9, a chief. Um, I had very limited interaction with her as a young staff sergeant. But what I do remember is that even in the limited interaction I had with her, um, she had such a profound impact on me in that limited interaction. And so that was always in the back of my mind as I served, that that even if my interaction with the women who served in my spaces was limited, that they were looking and that they were watching and, and that I had a responsibility to make sure that I was serving them in the best way I, I could and that I was serving them in a way that made them proud to be an airman and proud to be um, a female service member, right? So um, how did that help you with transition or did it? Well, I mean, because it's such it, a unique environment, right? And then you get yeah. out. Yeah. I it, I will tell you this. I wasn't prepared at all, Mike. No one. And I took advantage of a laundry list of transition services, a huge list. I had a ton of people helping me. I was not prepared at all for the journey of what, what I, I would tell you is becoming a woman in the civilian sector. Um, and that has been, I mean, we're 16 months into that transition, and that has been um, a really significant challenge that I just wasn't prepared for. I wasn't thinking about it, and it hit me kind of right in the chest. You know, it, it was a gunshot right to the chest that took the wind out of my sails. So, and I can tell you, uh, Mike, I can share share with you kind of what happened. Um, I left, I retired from the military, and six days later, I was in a new civilian position as a, a director for a healthcare firm, right? Mm. And so what I tell people is I went from camis to a business suit from combat boots to a business suit in six days. And so when I walked in the room in my business suit, right, obviously as a woman leader in the organization, um, that credit 
that you get in the military for being the leader because you wear it on your sleeve, that yeah. wasn't there. It, it emptied out of that room in an instant. And there was no, there was, there was nothing I could lean on to prove to anyone in that room that I was a leader. They couldn't see oh, on my wow. sleeve. Yep. They hadn't seen my resume. They didn't know anything about me. I'm the new girl, right? And there's no stripes on my sleeve. And, and so everything I, is suspect, right? It's like, oh, great. Yeah. This is yeah. whatever we want to say, affirmative action. This is somebody helping a friend. This is, you know, how do we know she's as good as they say, right? I mean, there's all this mistrust yeah. probably, correct? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Ah, uh, see, that is so – so how uh, how did you overcome it, or how are you overcoming it? Because I think this is an important topic, and I know we're running up against the, 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 the half hour, but how did you or how are you working through that scenario? So the first thing that I will tell you is I think I made a huge mistake because – I thought that the minute I took my uniform off and the minute I put a business suit on and landed in corporate America, that my transition was done. I, I landed a good job. We were good to go. Mission accomplished, right? Yeah. Um, and that's not true. Transition takes a really long time. Each per, Each person's journey is their own personal journey. And it doesn't have anything to do with landing a job. Uh, it has something mm. to do with landing a job, but it's yep. it's not just about landing a job. And so I, I was running from my military identity. I was ready to sever that. I had achieved everything that I wanted to achieve as part of service. And I was ready to go out and conquer the, the civilian world. And so in my mind, I thought I could sever the two. And I'll, and I'll tell you, Mike, I could not have been more wrong. Mm. Um, mm. Service is part of who I am. It's in my DNA, people that wear the uniform. It is who we are. And so there, I don't believe there, there comes a point where you leave that behind. Um, it's, it's a, it's a chapter in your journey. Well, I think you're hitting something bigger. I, I think you're showcasing something bigger, which is life is a series of transitions and yeah. We, we've got we've got a landmark transition when we get out of the service. I mean, it's evident at that point we're stripping off the uniform, our identity, who we thought we are, who we knew we were, is all being removed, and now we're starting over in many ways with a whole load of experience. But it's a different journey; it's a transition, and every time there's a new experience, that is a transition. And I think that goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is mindset. How are we preparing our mind to be ready for this? And so I, I want to transition that into if there was one piece of advice based on your experience that you could give those who are transitioning, what would that be? So, Mike, I, I want to give you something that I think is applicable to anyone, no matter what direction they decide to go. Yeah. They need to build what I call your board of directors. Mm. You need to build a team of people, mentors, people that will give you honest, and true feedback about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what your choices are, what people who understand what's important to you, you that has to be priority. Yep, you got to get a resume done, and you got to get your LinkedIn profile, you got to get through tap, all that, all all of that 
blocking and tackling has to be done, but but you're going to need help walking that transition journey. And so building a board, board of directors, and I will tell you, Mike, for me, part of that board was someone who'd walked this journey ahead of me, who had made the transition. She was a woman, and so I'd watched her challenges. She's been instrumental for me. Another person that sits on my board is a civilian. It's someone who has never served before. And I will tell you, as I cross the bridge into corporate America, um, he has been absolutely invaluable to me. Um, mm. his, his advice to me, his guidance to me, because he sees that he doesn't see things through a veteran lens the way I do. And so um, he, he has helped me greatly assimilate to becoming a civilian. Uh, see, I love that. You're talking about a support network, which is so, so key. So, Jen, if people want to get in connection with you, what's the best way for them to do so? Do you, do you invite people to, to reach out to you on LinkedIn? Is that probably the best way? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, and if they are listeners to the podcast and want to connect, I just ask them to, you know, shoot me a note. Hey, Jen, I, you know, I heard you on the podcast um, with with Mike and the Military Wire and want to connect, and, and that is uh, that's the way to go for sure. Oh, that's so awesome. Jen, we could keep talking about this. I love having you on the show. I probably have to have you back. So thank you for being on this show. And for our listeners, for those of you who are interested in discovering your post-service identity, what does it mean to prepare, to plan, to execute on really your best year yet after transition? You can visit us at OperationMilitaryFamily.com or you can DM me on LinkedIn. Jen, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Mike, thanks so much. It was great to be here.